Your business is on the runway, ready for takeoff, yet your team is not even making contact. You're exhausted, and the business needs to make more money to stay successful. What do you do next? Welcome to Ask the Coach with professional business coach Oliver Baisner. If you're ready to soar to new heights with your business and be the pilot of your own successful destiny, stay tuned. We're ready to roll. Now, here's your host, Oliver Baisner. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Oliver Baser here. I'm your host today again uh, with Ask the Coach. So excited. I've got uh, Eleanor Culver with me today with Real HR here in Calgary. Uh, welcome to the show, Eleanor. Thanks very much, Oliver. Yeah, we're so great. Uh, so lucky to have you here. We're excited because I know you're going to be able to answer a whole bunch of questions and all those crazy HR uh, questions that people have, not to mention, I'm sure you've got a story or two you're going to share with us today. Just a couple. <laughs> awesome. So let me tell you a little bit about Eleanor. In uh, May 2009, Eleanor founded Real HR to assist small to mid-sized businesses with realizing their business goals through the independent development of sound human resource processes, procedures, and policies. As I like to say it, Eleanor's forgotten more about HR than probably most of us will ever know. So uh, again, we're going to get a lot of information today. Real HR provides specific project-based work facilitation, ongoing advisory support relating to all aspects of human resource management, including staffing, employee relations, benefits, compensation, employee development, organizational development, government compliance, performance management, human resource strategy, leadership development, and board governance. Good thing that wasn't much longer, Eleanor, I would have run out of breath. <laughs> Combining over 25 years of human resources experience with their sense of humor and pragmatic approach, Eleanor provides clients with practical HR solutions to their business challenges. She's also got a degree in psychology, so maybe later we can go to my couch and you can <laughs> analyze me, and a master's in leadership and a lifelong career HR professional um, she really does have a pragmatic approach to HR, and, and I know I've, I've used your services in the past. You've helped my clients and uh, with great success. Um, and so if you want an HR partner in your practice, this is the person that you want covering your back from an HR side. So, um, Eleanor, I uh, did a little research on you. Tell me a little bit. I understand you're a skier, so tell me a little bit about the whole ski patrol volunteer thing you've been doing. I am, and Oliver, it's a bit funny because I, I have a theme going through my life, whether it's uh, at work, kind of helping people be more effective, um, or whether it's my volunteer life, which is largely the Canadian Ski Patrol. So I have ski patrolled at Lake Louise for 28 seasons. Good for you. Um, and in fact, I was honored this year to receive a couple of awards, one in first aid proficiency and one uh, as a Calgary Zone kind of member of the year. Um, but yeah, so the, some crazy stories there as well. But uh, it involves skiing about 40, 45 days a year. And uh, hence the wrinkles, which thankfully we're on radio, nobody can see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, she's got her best outfit on for you folks today. So <laughs> we're going to talk about um, HR in general today. But uh, one of the things we want to talk about is, you know, that question that I always get about millennials. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people don't understand them. You know, I, I've heard everything from, you know, they're lazy, they're entitled, they're selfish, they're shallow. But, you know, my experience has been a little different. Like I find, and, and actually I, I work with a millennial here at Sonic Coaching, um, in, in fact, two of them. And I find they're optimistic. You know, they can be very accepting of differences uh, between people. And um, they like to challenge the status quo. And I really like that about millennials. And not to leave the other generations out, because we'll talk about those as well. I know you're Gen X. I'm a boomer. Mm -hmm. Right? And uh, But so you know, what's your impression? Like what what's going on? How come people don't understand 
these millennials, so to speak. Well, and I think it's it's easy to categorize millennials in one big amorphous blob, but in fact, that millennial cohort is large enough that it's actually forming into two smaller cohorts. Um, and I think a large part of the disconnect with between, say, Gen X and the, the millennials in the workplace arises out of a typical, they're the new kids on the block, right? So the Gen X got this when we entered the, the workforce behind the boomers. The boomers told us to just put your head down and, and keep working and you'll get your rewards. Don't be too hungry. Well, you're seeing the same thing with the millennials. So there's that little piece that's just a commonality with every generation. But furthermore, the millennials have been raised in an environment by their boomer parents where it's been a very collaborative environment. They've been asked for their opinions. They've been listened to. Um, they've really seen themselves as an active member of the family unit, and they take that then into the workforce. So when they come to work, they're expecting to have a say. They do understand if it doesn't go their way, right? They, yes. I think they're... they're um, given a bit of a black mark for, for thinking that they're petulant. I don't believe that at all. That hasn't been my experience. Um, but they do want to have a say. They don't like to be dictated to. Um, and they really get jazzed up about working with kind of innovative, creative people. Um, I have a, a millennial working with me that's been with me now six weeks. And quite frankly, Amanda is knocking it out of the ballpark. You know, we have a, a, a small company. Um, but you know, as far as clothing, unless we have a client coming in, I don't care what you wear. And she loves that. She loves that she can walk to work. So I'm in the belt line. Those kinds of things really make a difference for millennials and can really get them engaged. Excellent. Yeah. And, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but my experience has been that they really want to make a difference, right? They Absolutely. want meaningful work. You know, if it's meaningful and they, and they see the bigger picture on how they're making a difference or impacting, you know, society or the clients that they're working with in a positive way, that jazzes them up. That's been my experience. Absolutely. And I, and I think it extends beyond, you know, when we see or hear that, you know, millennials want to make a difference, we always think of, you know, the not-for-profits or the environmental causes, that type of thing. But genuinely, in any company, as long as you can articulate what the vision and mission of your company is to that millennial and how they can contribute to it, they're all in. They're that's all been in. my experience. Yeah, that's been my experience too. So are they getting a bad rap, do you think? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that's the good news. <laughs> and so uh, for those of you that are, uh, that are just joining us, uh, we're talking about millennials and, and all the generations in work. You know, I would say probably the first time in history, correct me again if I'm wrong, Eleanor, but first time in history, we have the potential. We have five generations, in distinct generations in the workforce, right? All the way from traditionalists down to Gen um, Z, which yeah. is now entering the workforce. And so uh, let me just, for those of you listening, if you're wondering, oh, which one of these am I, right? So let me give you the, the, the birth dates, the, depending on when you were born, is kind of where you're classified into the, you know, five categories. So, you know, Gen Z, um, or let's start with the other way, the silent generation, they've been called traditionalists, right? These are the folks that, that now are somewhere between 73 and 90 years old. They were born 1928. Uh, to 1945. Often we'll see them even still providing mentoring, leadership uh, to to executives or to companies. Uh, we see them on boards. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, Oliver, but, um, you know, one of the things that has created this situation with five generations in the workforce is the elimination of the mandatory retirement age. Right. Right. So way back when I started work, 65, you know, your 65th birthday came along and it didn't matter whether you wanted to leave or not, 
you were given your gold watch and off you go. I was just having that vision of the gold watch. I never got one, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> but then now that's changed. So if you know if you're um, mentally and physically in the game and want to continue working, you can continue working. Which is a great thing as far as I'm concerned because there's so much knowledge with that generation. Absolutely. And as the boomers age as well, there's so much knowledge that's going to be transferred at the same time. Mm -hmm. So speaking of boomers, let's talk about our boomers. So they're born between 1946 to 1964. Mm -hmm. I fall right at the tail end of the boomers. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been told I function a little bit like a boomer, but I also function a little bit like Gen X. Right. And so, um, yeah. you know, what's your take on, on uh, these folks, right? They're in the workforce right now. They are. And, you know, this was the first generation really raised with television. Um, and the result of that is they're much more uh, connected as a cohort than any generation before. And so that's why you saw the boomers kind of uh, being quite cohesive when it came to the Vietnam War and things like that, where they were able to kind of mobilize large groups of people. Woodstock, that's the boomers, right? Right. Um, and so it's it's quite interesting to see the impact that that 1950s kind of astro age had on a whole generation of people that, that grew up watching, you know, Leave it to Beaver and that kind of idealistic uh, home life. Is it bad I remember that show? <laughs> What I should be asking you is which character you identify with. <laughs> I, I think that will save that for the show. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, if you're wondering if you're Gen X, because I know you're Gen X, yeah. Eleanor. We talked about that before the show started. And um, born 1965 to 1980, mm -hmm. you know, so age, they're 38 to 53 years old. Yeah. I've often described this generation maybe as a little bit the lost generation, not that mm -hmm. they're lost. But they're the forgotten generation, right? Like everybody's talking about the boomers, like it was boomers, 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 right? Yeah. Even when I was, you know, growing up. And then now we're talking about millennials. What happened to Gen X along the way? I would suggest that a lot of the Gen Xers are asking the same thing. So this is, you know, the cohort that really grew up the first latchkey generation. So fiercely independent. Yes, they are. Tend to be very much lone wolves. You know, if they get frustrated, they want to grab that project and do it all by themselves. But, you know, when we entered the, the workforce, we were told by the boomers, keep your head down, work hard, and you'll get, you know, the corner office someday. And then... But that wasn't true for it them. It wasn't true. And what has happened now is the boomers have raised millennials. And now all the boomers who are starting to kind of exit those, those C-suite offices can talk about is their children's generation and the Gen Xers are starting to get kind of frustrated. So I think what you're going to see, I think this is where a lot of... Um, small startups and independent kind of entrepreneurial companies are really getting their foothold right. is Gen Xers are going, okay, fine. If I can't do it inside the big company, I'm going to cab off and I'm going to do my own thing. And that's, I think that's a large part of what's going on, at least in Calgary. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I've worked, I've had lots of clients I've worked with in my coaching practice that you know are, are running companies that are Gen X and mm -hmm. usually they're they're a little bit younger than the boomers. Obviously, the companies tend to be a little bit younger often, mm -hmm. and uh, but the fiercely independent, so true because. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're the ones that I work with where we're constantly talking about, you don't have to do this all by yourself. You've got a team to support you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is, uh, do you find that even with yourself? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a constant reminder. I had, um, or I have a, a wonderful friend, Carrie Murray, and I remember I was going through a bit of a tough time, and I tend to what we call turtle when I go through tough times. I stop emailing, I stop phoning, I just kind of focus on work, and that's about it. And she said a wonderful thing to me. She said, you know, how do you feel when I call you and ask for your support or your help? And I said, I feel like a million bucks. 
And she said, keep in mind that when you refuse to contact and reach out for help, you're denying your friends and your business colleagues of that same opportunity. Great so words of advice. Reminder. So Gen X, if you're out there, you don't have to do it alone. <laughs> exactly. And I know you're out there. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about well, we talked about the millennials, but let's talk about you know the the, the birth dates and how old they are. They were born 1981 to 1996. Mm -hmm. They're currently 22 to 37 years old, um, and we see them you know really wanting to progress, make a difference. We talked about that. Anything yep. that we missed? Um, they're obviously technologically savvy. They've never known a, a life without technology. The Gen Xers uh, had to adapt, whereas uh, the Millennials really from birth have had cell phones and, and devices. Um, the other thing about Millennials is they are incredibly positive and upbeat, and they're very tenacious. So as long as you can tap into that, you can really get a lot of benefit from them in terms of you know your workforce and, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> okay, excellent. I just lost my words. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, let's talk about Gen Z because they're starting to enter the workforce now, right? They're yeah. they're the youth that are you know up and coming. So they're born 1997 and still continuing to be born. We don't wonder what happens after Z. Any idea? Have they said yet? <laughs> to go back to double A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll find out. But uh, so they're um, you know they're basically zero years old. So some of them are just being born, as we said, and mm -hmm. um, all the way up to 21 years old. Absolutely. And um, I've got one of those in my home right now. And, you know, so tell us about those folks. Like, how are they different? Well, it's interesting. The Gen Z are profoundly pragmatic. Um, and while they're technolo they have the technological savvy of the millennials, they're intensely private as well. So what you do find is that, you know, <laughs> this generation, they're really good at using Snapchat, um, Instagram. They'll be all over their social media. But they also know how to turn off any kind of tracking so that you can't find them through their, their GPS location. They know how to set their privacy settings up on Google and on Facebook, although Facebook is a little too archaic for them. My 16-year-old doesn't even have Facebook and sees no need for it. Um, no, because your 16-year-old is probably on Instagram and oh, Snapchat. Yeah. yeah, he's got to keep his streaks up. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I've also heard it said that they're starting to act and behave a little bit more like the boomers again. True? Well, I would suggest more like the traditionalists, actually. Okay. Um, you don't have very long to catch the attention of a Gen Z. They have fabulous, because they've grown up in a world of, I hate to say it, but cynicism, where, you know, they've watched politicians get caught lying. You know, everything kind of is seems to be a little bit on shifting sands. Right. They have a phenomenal antenna for sniffing out BS, quite frankly. So um, they are real harbingers of authenticity. And this is where I think we really will see some massive social movements. And that is like the boomers. Um, but traditionalists in the sense that they keep their cards quite close to their chest. They okay. appear on the outside to be sharing through social media, but it's carefully curated. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so again, we're seeing a different pattern, even though they're still fairly young and, and that pattern will continue to develop. We really don't know yet because most of them are not, if any of them, or probably a few of them might be that have started their own little business from the basement of their mom mm -hmm. and dad's home, but we don't know what they're going to be like in leadership yet. Not yet. Yeah. So that's all yet to be seen. So um, for those of you listening, this is a phone-in show. If you have questions uh, around anything HR today, we've got an expert here with us. And so make sure you take advantage of uh, all that 
brain power that Eleanor brought to the show. Uh, you can reach us at uh, 1-866-472-5790. That's one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. So make sure that uh, if you've got that that pressing question, it can be about you know the generations, but it can be anything. I mean, this mm -hmm. is a lady who's got expertise. Uh, you heard it in her bio. Everything from payroll to government uh, mm -hmm. to and, and I know I'm going to force her to share a couple of stories as we move on a little bit uh, later in the show. Um, you know, let's call them the horror stories that she's seen. <laughs> Some of them might be funnier than others. Um, but uh, feel free to give us a call because we'd uh, love to hear from you and, and help you out with any challenges or questions you might have in your own business with your with your team right now. So, um, Eleanor, I know after the break, I want to dig a little bit deeper with you around, you know, how do we motivate them? Because I know our audience, that's what they're really thinking about is, how do I keep the millennial? How do I keep you know these people engaged how you know what are they looking for and so you know, we're going to dig a lot deeper um, and again you know we're not going to talk just millennials you know because I'm curious too you know Gen X is fiercely independent how do we help these folks to realize that it's not just only up to them right oh, and, yeah. and what else can happen and uh, I do have some stats here in the workforce that uh, that I pulled up so you know again to that silent generation they're currently two percent of the US labor force so you know, really a small number, and I'd say in Canada we'd see probably very similar statistics. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Gen X, they're still a significant portion. In fact, of the uh, the you know, let's call it tied with the millennials, they're 34 mm percent -hmm. of the workforce currently. Um, our baby boomers are sitting at 29 percent. So still a significant amount of baby boomers out there in, in the in the work world, right? But look at the millennials; they're 34 percent, and we know that number is um, is on track to hit. They're saying 46% by 2020. So they're going to be the largest demographic in the workforce pretty quickly. And then, uh, it, just in case you're wondering, you know, where's our uh, our Gen Z? Gen Z is sitting at 1%. So very small number, right? They're still, you know, they're growing up, right? Yeah. And uh, as they grow up, we're going to find that uh, they're going to be entering the workforce more often. So right now, we've got you know three very large groups in the workforce. Any thoughts around that? Like, how's that? It, 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 there's just a whole bunch of ways you're going to have to deal with people. And um, before you answer that question, I'll give yeah. you, you know, I'm going to give her a chance to think about it. Uh, we're going to move to break here. So we're going to take a quick break. And then Eleanor is going to answer the question, how do you have all three groups that you're going you're gonna to have in your workforce potentially, especially in a larger company, and how do you keep them all engaged? Because they're all motivated differently, right? So wait for that. We'll be right back. Again, this is Ask the Coach. And uh, our call-in number, if you have questions, give us a shout at 1-866-472-5790. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need. You can focus on the horizon, break barriers, and navigate change. Stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success. Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. 
Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit soniccoaching.com today. Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at soniccoaching.com. Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and soar sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. Visit soniccoaching.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Baisner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Ask the Coach. Welcome back, everyone. We've got Eleanor Culver with us from Real HR on the show today. If you're just joining us, we're talking about millennials, but not just millennials. We're talking about the five generations in the workplace. So everything from the silent generation, which have been known as traditionalists, the baby boomers, to Gen X, which you and I talked about briefly, Eleanor, on the show earlier, which is that generation that almost seems a little bit like they've been forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're part of that group, millennials. And, and then, of course, of course, post-millennials, which is the Gen Z folks, right? So I uh, put Eleanor a little bit on the hot seat before the break and I asked her so we've got three significant groups right now in the workforce so just to recap baby boomers gen x and millennials are all about the same size in terms of the the percentage that are in the workforce how do you keep them all happy well I think the first thing that you know you do as a as an employer is you really get rid of that discourse around you know the different generations slagging each other Right. And so change the conversation from being, you know, one about what every generation isn't doing or doesn't do well to what they do do well. Right. So, for example, you know, when you look at work assets for if we just talk boomers and talk about Gen X and talk about millennials, you know, with the boomers, they really are anxious to please. Right. They are at a stage of their career where they have a whole ton of knowledge and they really just want to contribute. That's kind of been a a theme that's gone on whether it's through social causes when they were younger or you know if you just look at the company softball team those things didn't exist before the boomers. Those were all things that team building concept really grew up with the boomers and so in the workplace that's they're your rallying people. If you want somebody to support a cause, you know, a change to your benefits plan or something like that, you make sure you have a couple boomers on your focus group um, because they're going to be the ones that are going to champion that cause to the rest of your employees. Um, and they have the experience to do that. And they have the experience to do that, right? Um, they're also very mission-oriented team players, right? And they're really capable at breaking a big picture down into smaller chunks, right, to make it more... Um, accessible to, to the other generations in your workforce. So those are some of the, the assets that the boomers bring. 
when it comes to Gen Xers, you know what? They're very comfortable with change. So they have grown up with constant change in their environment. Um, they're fiercely independent. So, you know, you can trust them to take a project and run with it. They're quite goal-oriented. They're problem solvers. And of they're the first generation really to be really well-educated. Um, they're the first generation, the Gen Xers, that it was an expectation when you graduated high school that you went on to some kind of post-secondary So education, true, absolutely, right? I agree. So, you know, they've got all that. They're not intimidated by authority, and they are techn technologically adapted, right? So they have, <laughs> I'm dating myself here, but I had a Sony Walkman when I was a kid, right? And now I fit, you know, everything into my little iPhone 7, that has more computing power than, you know, my Commodore 64 for sure. <laughs> for those of you wondering what a Sony Walkman is, oh, don't. it's the old tape deck drive with headphones. So look that one up. Uh, and, and if you want some nostalgia, look that one up online. All they have to do is go look at Guardians of the Galaxy 1. <laughs> That's what I had. Mine was um, yellow, just saying. <laughs> um, but the Gen Xer are very determined and they're eager to, eager to learn, right? So. They really are good workhorses. And then when you get to the millennials, some of the work assets that they bring is their phenomenal um, feedback loop. They have a consumer mentality and they are really collaborative. Um, they're also goal-oriented and highly educated like the Gen Xers. But they're also optimistic and they have a positive attitude and they're very technologically savvy. And they're also tenacious. So if you can switch the conversation in your company from being one of what each generation doesn't do right. to one of all the assets that each generation brings, I think you can really have a ramp up in your productivity, actually. Yeah, great point. It, it really isn't about focusing on the differences. It's focusing about what people have in common. And, and, and the bottom line is people still want to feel appreciated and valued in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And they want to have meaningful work that makes a difference. Absolutely. And I don't care what generation it is. Yeah. Right? Because the last thing we want to do is, is be involved in something where we don't feel like we're adding value. Totally. I mean, for example, if me as a Gen Xer, if I walked in and I had nothing but back-to-back -back meetings all day, I would lose my mind. Right, but that would be a dream come true for and and keep in mind we're talking generalities here. This isn't everyone, of course. But in terms of you know the general uh, millennial, they get fired up and energized by that collaborative back and forth with a whole bunch of people. I like it if it serves a purpose, and right. then <laughs> and then it just drains me. Right, I think well, when am I actually going to get the work done? So whereas a millennial would be happy and would see that as actually doing the work, right? Correct. That's the difference yeah. between the two generations. So on a on a team, if there's someone that I need to kind of engage, to go out and engage with community partners and do those kinds of meetings right. and run our social media, it's a millennial I'm looking to, to do that. Isn't that interesting? You know, you, you brought back a memory for me because, as I said, I'm tail end of the baby boomers, but I've been told I function on both sides of the fence, so to speak. I function as a Gen X, fiercely independent, yeah. uh, started my own company. And, um, you know, I remember when I was working corporately years ago, I was that guy that would always find a reason not to be at the senior management meetings, right? Like I'd have a flight to somewhere, <laughs> I'd have a meeting booked outside the, you know, yeah. another city. And I remember my boss uh, one day came up to me, he says, you know, you missed like the last two out of, I don't know what it was, four meetings. Yeah. Um, what's going on? And, and I said, well, I'm busy. I'm, you know, I've got flights and things going on. He says, no, you're going to be, make sure you're going to be at those meetings. Because as you say, Gen X doesn't like meetings, no. right? We see them as uh, often a waste of time. 
Yeah. Right. And let's move forward. We got stuff we got to get done. Yeah. Right? You feel as though you're in a holding pattern. Right. And then <laughs> yes. as soon as you get out, you can actually get the work done. Yeah. So you're not seeing me out there, you know, as you're listening to us. But, you know, I've got a big smile on my face because <laughs> that represents me to a T. Yeah. You know, the, the less meetings, you know, when I work corporately, the better. Yeah. Right. Um, so let's talk about you know, that training, that development, you know, how to, how do you hand off from one generation to another? What are the needs of the different groups? Well, and I mean, there's different ways to mentor. Um, you know, for example, in order to engage those three main co- cohorts, the boomers, the Gen Xers, and the millennials, yes. you really want to, um, for one, do a bit of reverse mentoring. So, and, and by that, I mean, and it's actually two ways. It's not really reverse, but you pair a millennial with a boomer. They get along famously. Those are the two generations that get along the best. Why the is that? Place. Well, it's the parent and child. Right. Right? Because the boomers actually raised the millennials. Yes. So they're used to the dynamic and the back and forth and the to and fro in conversations and in engagement because that's what they've been raised with typically. Um, and, and where that can really benefit is if the boomer then gets the technological... Um, kind of mentoring, if you will, right. from the millennial. And the millennial will get an idea of the big picture and maybe some of the more um, complex uh, business challenges. You know, we'll get an insight into that. Um, and then the Gen Xers actually can go both ways. Um, and the, the thing really for the Gen Xers to tie into them is get them involved, right, with you, not for you. Right, so engage them and present yourself as an information provider to right. a Gen Xer, not their boss. Right, to say, hey, listen, here's a chunk of information. What do you think? Let's move forward. Um, you really, uh, on the Gen Xers, they are natural skeptics. Um, as I said, I, I think in the earlier segment that they're the first latchkey kids. Yeah, right. They're the first ones raised with, you know, Watergate and things like that. So they're naturally skeptic of authority right. and big organizations. And rightfully so. Yeah. And so for them, it's really important that you are authentic and that not only do you follow through on your commitments, but you follow up and demonstrate how you follow through on your commitments. So if you say we're going to meet next Tuesday, meet next Tuesday. Right. Right. And if you can't, honor your word and say, all right, wasn't able to do that. We need to reschedule and do it in, in advance. How do I do that with you? Text? <laughs> yes, by text, actually. <laughs> and the written word is best for Gen Xers. We do not like voicemail. Really? Yeah, because it is, again, a bit of a burden. If I can see in emails or if I can see in text and just visually scroll through and you know, kind of click on what I need to, to deal with, much better than having to listen to a one-minute phone message from 12 people right yeah yeah that makes sense of course (laughs) you know it's interesting because I don't know where I fall here because I'm one of those people who I'm great on email and text like Mm -hmm. uh, I'll you know that works well for me but if I get to a point where you and I are texting three times back and forth it's like I'm done right I'm gonna pick up the phone phone and and you know I'll do this right because I've done it with you I'll pick up the phone and and let's just have a conversation what what generation is that more prevalent with or is that just common with everybody well it's indicative of you being on the cusp between boomers and generation X actually. So you said I'm bipolar now today. <laughs> yes, you're bipolar. <laughs> you are two-minded. I've got both things going on. So that's yeah. more a boomer trait. Is that it what is. you're saying? Talking on the phone is more of a boomer trait. Okay. Um, I mean, and it's funny. It, as it goes down through the generations, 
it's you know even with uh, the the tail end of the millennials and you know the Gen Z, they're all into crowdsourcing. Right. Right. And you see it even now in Instagram. They've got a poll function on Instagram. So someone will put up their, um, you know, should I grow my hair out or should I cut it or should I dye it blonde? And you can tap right on the Instagram image, yes or no. And that's how they decide what they're going to do. So, really? Yeah. Crowdsource their decisions. They crowds, crowdsource a lot of decisions. <laughs> that's funny. Right? I might have to throw that one out there, see what I get back. <laughs> <laughs> you in a ponytail. That would be a sight. Exactly. Take me a while to grow that out. <laughs> exactly. Now, one of the things I did want to mention, too, when yeah. we we're talking about millennials and, and the size of the cohort, it is a massive cohort. Right. There is, it's calving into two groups. And, you know, the, the stereotypical kind of headlines that go in the newspapers and in media is, you know, the millennials that they want it all, but they're still living in mom's basement. And, you know, it tends to be quite negative. And, and that's where I started doing some of this work and some of this research is just, I didn't think that that was a fair, um, uh, I guess, image that, ah, it wasn't based in my experience of millennials. Right. So I didn't think that was fair. Nor am I. And so, uh, I started doing a little more digging, and the millennials are really calved into these two cohorts. There's one that's getting quite a lot of of what we call world traction. So they're out there setting the world on fire. You know, We Day is an example of millennials that have really taken the world by right. storm. There's a number of what I would consider social causes that have, you know, again, in the echo of, of their parents, the boomers, um, the millennials have, have really kind of taken to the streets with some social causes and made some significant positive changes. Um, and then there is a group of millennials that is struggling. Um, you know, they, they graduated university or college um, into a, a kind of depressed economy, didn't find jobs, wound up, you know, going back to school for more education in the hopes that that would help gain some traction. Right. Um, and now, you know, yeah, they're still living in their mom's basement. Uh, and really struggling to kind of find a, their place in the world. And so I have a lot of empathy for them as well. So that's going to be our next challenge really is how to engage that part of the millennial cohort. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because one of my sons um, fits that perfectly. You know, he graduated, mm -hmm. um, you know, first he went to um, two years of, of uh, college here. Mm -hmm. uh, then he went to four years of university and so got his, his, his degree. And, um, you know, I remember they, they had set him up almost for failure because mm -hmm. they said, you know, when you graduate, you're going to make you know, $80,000 a year. Um, and, you know, he's thinking life's going to be great. And, I, and you know, I do this for a living, right? I, yeah. I work with all kinds of different businesses and organizations. And I said, you know, son, I'd be surprised if you make roughly around, you know, you're going to make half that, right? Yeah. I, not that I'd be surprised, but I, I basically said, you know, you're going to probably make about $40,000, right? Yeah. And I remember when he graduated, that's exactly the number. I think it was 45, so he got a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, you know, found a tech company. and, um, But they're setting them up for failure as well, you know? So these millennials are thinking that they're going to come out, they're going to make big money, they're going to have big decision-making ability, and that's not the case because you no. still have to pay your dues. Absolutely. And it and it really does, it does set, I mean, I like the, the expression, set them up for failure. Um, because I think realistic expectations, and that's kind of part of the work that, that we do on the HR front with Real HR is just, right. We help, uh, you know, we've we've moved away from the traditional performance improvement plan with our clients. Um, and what we do is we now have an expectation alignment discussion. And it really is about, hey, listen, this is our expectation. This is the way you're performing. Here's the impact that's having. 
and then let's talk about how we we align those expectations are we being unrealistic are you being unrealistic you know it it really is a collaborative process um, and I agree with you I mean kids coming through university and colleges now it, they do have that expectation that they're going to walk into a job at seventy eighty thousand dollars a year and that's just not the reality right so you know they have that expectation and, and you're going away from the typical performance review mm -hmm. and, and more collaborative are you still documenting or is it just a conversation now like no, is there still, still documentation and paperwork and so yeah. what does that look like how do you how does that look different from what we used to do yeah right? well what we used to do is we'd have the discussion then we'd formally write it up in a letter that basically said if you don't improve you know thou shalt be beaten with a wet noodle until you know, you get better goes. or you leave, right? Exactly. Or we help you leave. Yeah. yeah. And and the, I think the, the impression that created over, you know, the last couple of decades is that once you're on a performance improvement plan, it was just a way for the company to make book on you so they didn't have to pay you severance when, right. you, when they got rid of you. Right. Um, I recognize that right now it's really expensive to hire a new employee. So if, for turnover, when someone leaves, you can estimate at least 30% of their annual salary in lost productivity, you know, advertising costs, recruitment costs, time and energy before you get somebody back in that role and even marginally productive. Right. So I counsel, I guess, once you've hired somebody, um, I ask people to hire slow, like really make sure that this is the person that's going to fit your culture because we can always train skills. We can't necessarily change attitude or outlook right. on life. So hire for those things that you can't change and then work with that individual. So this expectation alignment document really is about a discussion and it's a collaborative agreement between the two like parties, the company and the employee, as to what needs to change and what they both give their word to, to doing in order to improve that performance. And it's okay. not just one-sided the way it used to be. But it's still documented. You've yep. still got, you know, there's still something that you can actually use and, and follow up with and, and so that everybody's on the same page, so to speak. Yeah, so part of that expectation alignment is that um, as, uh, you know, you have the discussion, you agree on, on who's going to do what, and then you have in that first meeting you set up a regular schedule for follow-up. Usually it's every two weeks, 15 minutes every two weeks. How's it going? Are you on track? You know, are we doing what we said we would do to support you? Great. Okay, let's keep going. Right? So it's right. short check-ins as opposed to big formal meetings. Big formal once a year, let's sit down, and, totally. uh, which isn't enough anyway as far it's as I'm not. concerned. Yeah. So uh, you're listening to Ask the Coach, and we're uh, talking to Eleanor Culver with Real HR here in Calgary. She's got all the answers to your HR questions. <laughs> And uh, we're going to cut to a break here in a minute. And uh, before you do, I'll give you the phone number. If you have a call, please give us a shout. 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. And I know when we're back, make sure you come back because Eleanor is going to gonna make her share a couple of war stories. So uh, <laughs> we're looking forward to that. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. 
Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and soar sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. Visit soniccoaching.com. At Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need. You can focus on the horizon, break barriers, and navigate change. Stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success. Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit soniccoaching.com today. Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at soniccoaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Baisner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Ask the Coach. Hi, everyone. And uh, we've got Eleanor Culver here in the studio with us. And she is with Real HR here in Calgary. This lady is everything HR. So if you have questions... She has the answers for you. So we've been talking a lot about millennials, the five different generations in the workforce, how to motivate them, how they, how to get them to collaborate. And uh, we've got a caller, so let's take a call. Remember, your your calls don't have to be about you know the five generations. If you've got an HR question, call us because we're here to help. So uh, we've got Gemma on the line from Calgary. Hi, Gemma. How are you? Hey, Oliver. I'm good. Hi. We've got Eleanor Hi. here too. Hopefully, she's going to be have have some some great answers for you to your questions. So, tell us a little bit about your business, Gemma. Um, well, I own a hair salon here in Calgary. It's my third location, so I slowly close them and reopen them. So, this is my big Kahuna. But Congratulations! Got staff. Yeah, <laughs> fourteen staff. I've got three of those are contractors, and the rest are commission stylists. Um, my question for you, Eleanor, is with minimum wage going up. I actually train my stylists when I come out of hair school to kind of give a bit of background on hairdressing. There's 1,400 hours they have to complete after they've completed school. So they usually make minimum wage. So I train them behind the chair. They're shadowing me. So with minimum wage going up, it's kind of coming an expense that I can't really afford to have someone shadowing me and paying them $15 an hour to be learning. Is there a way of doing an education deduction on their payroll? Hmm. Good question, Gemma. Um, Unfortunately, um, the only kind of deductions, I guess, uh, or or grants available through the government around training uh, have to involve a third-party training organization, and there has to be some kind of certification. Now, what you can do... 
um, which we've you know done successfully with a number of our clients, is you can um, assess a value to that training, okay? okay? And you can ask your employees to sign a training bond that says, look, this number of hours at this wage represents this much in investment in your training. Should you leave within the next six months, you agree yeah. that you will repay this investment. Um, oh, okay. And you can kind of then, you know, if they leave within 12 months, maybe it's, you know, 50%, or if they leave within 18 months, maybe it's 25% that they reimburse you. As long as you agree with the employee on the value of that and you state the dollar value, it can't just be a, a you know, a, a kind of amorphous number. It can't be pie in the sky. It has to be, okay, here's how we calculated it. We both agree that this is the value that we're investing in you. Um, that might be one way to make sure that at least you get the benefit of the training. Um, yeah. And an added benefit, your employees will know that you are investing in them. Yeah. Yeah, I want to jump in on that question too, uh, if that's okay, Eleanor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Gemma, my background, I, I spent a number of years uh, working for the largest um, uh, pharmacy chain here in Canada, which is uh, Shoppers Drug Mart. And one of the things that I know that we were able to do is, is in the pharmaceutical industry, industry, there's obviously, you know, trainings that they will put on for the pharmacists and, and for the team. And so they would invest those dollars, you know, as our supplier. And, and I know it's, it's similar in the salon industry. You've got suppliers who invest for training and, and, and they'll put on um, different trainings for your staff. But what we were able to do is, is with our suppliers that we had really good relationships, which are often the generic drug companies, is we would ask them to supply the dollars and then pay for events that we would put on in-house. So um, maybe there's okay. a way for you to work with one of your suppliers and, and have them funnel some of that money that they're going to spend you know, on your team anyway and maybe help use that so as part of the training for your staff. And, of course, you're training them on using their products. Yeah, well, we do. We automatically get that monthly anyways because all of so my staff could receive monthly education with all of our suppliers, whether it be product knowledge, haircutting, coloring, whatever it whatever you may call it. Then we also do that each of the stylists teach each other a course. We've got someone that's really strong with bridal up to. We did a course last month. So that's kind of a free education I offer in-house. But that counterbalance paying a minimum wage. So right, but, but it may be a way for you to incorporate that with the person shadowing yeah. you and, and possibly getting them to help subsidize some of that training cost because oh. you're training them on their products. Yeah. Oh, I do. I, do. I got you. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, so um, thanks for calling in, Gemma. Hopefully that gives you some new ways to look at things. Totally. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Good luck with your business. Take care. Bye for now. So uh, that was a great question. It absolutely you know, was. And, and minimum wage, you know, in, for those of you who aren't in Alberta, minimum wage is moving upward $14 now. It's moving up to $15. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's impacting not just the hair salon industry, but a lot of the service type industries. Like the restaurant industry is trying to figure out how they're going to continue to be profitable because, you know, raising the cost of meals isn't really the answer because at some point people just aren't going to come and eat out. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so what are you seeing out there in, in the various industries? How are they dealing with that? Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. I'm seeing an, a number of things. I mean, what what I haven't seen yet is, you know, there is, there is a bit of hue and outcry about how this would cause compression. That now, you know, somebody making $25 an hour would say, well, I need to make 26 or 27 because minimum wage is going up. I right. really haven't seen that happen. Okay. Um, 
now. It's not to say that it's not happening in various pockets, but overall that isn't the concern that I've heard. Um, I have seen quite a lot of creativity in terms of clients looking at different ways to save money. Um, you know, training is one of the areas, unfortunately, HR tends to, to be squeezed. <laughs> squeezed. Yeah. You know, where benefits. People, Probably. Oh, absolutely. Now, in benefits, I mean, there is some, some room there. A lot of clients are moving more towards a health spending account, which fits into, again, back to our generations talk, it fits better with the Gen X, the millennials, and potentially the Gen Z, we don't know yet, um, because it gives complete control over what you spend your benefit dollars on right. if you have a health spending account versus that old traditional kind of health and dental and here's your life insurance and your AD&D and it's all kind of said for you. Um, So that's a way that companies are looking to cap the the constantly increasing costs of, you know, health dental benefits. They give an HSA, then they know exactly how much is assigned to each employee. They know what it's going to cost. Yeah. And of course, the other benefit, and, and, you know, as you said, with the generations is I've had clients with different health spending accounts or HSAs. Mm -hmm. And depending on which HSA you have, I mean, even some of some of their their employees are even able to buy things like treadmills for health, right? Yeah. So they can do that and and stand up desks, so you know, so they're more productive and yeah. and able to be more comfortable at work. And you know, I've seen the, the HSA dollars spent in ways we wouldn't have seen in the old days. Exactly. Right? I mean, the old kind of paradigm would be that you spend your health dollars on reactive kind of treatments. Right. You know, after you've you know had a car accident, these are the things you do. Um, now that still happens in that case, but now we're seeing more of a switch to more preventative, right? As you say, the treadmills, the stand-up desks, the the ball chairs, right? Yeah, there's one in the office right next door to us. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and doing things like massage for preventative, as opposed to dealing with after an incident. Chronic and, pain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, what we're seeing, hopefully, is more of a trend towards healthier employees that are productive, right? Excellent. Here's an odd fact for you. 7% more blood flow to your brain when you're standing up versus when you're sitting, Oliver. That's why I like to talk when I'm standing up. <laughs> we should be standing up instead of sitting right now. It would be 7% more I don't know effective. if the cords on our headsets are long enough, but we'll have to give that a shot. So, you know, I, I promised that we'd talk about a couple of war stories. So, so tell us about the, you know, you've seen it all, right? You've been in HR a long time, and, and you've seen everything from, you know, uh, wrongful termination and, mm-hmm. and but you know for the listeners out there you know what are those things they have to watch out for right so you're hiring or you're or you're, you're going to termination and, and, and you know share a war story of what happened when they didn't get it right right because I had we, to duck we, a punch we all have some you had to duck a punch that? okay tell, yeah, I, you got to tell us about that well I mean and here's it really comes down to communication right and and courage in communication so I, I talk to my clients about being kind and courageous in their communications. And what that means is if somebody's not doing a great job or you're not happy with them, as soon as you start to get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, sit down and talk to them and ask them what's going on. And and either, you know, verify that yeah, they're not doing the job or get some clarity and go, oh actually they are doing the job. I just had the, the wrong impression. The sooner you can start communicating, the better. Because if you wind up in a situation where you know, in the case of me ducking a punch, it was a 17-year employee that not once had ever been told he wasn't doing a great job. Wow. And every, every year he'd had that little 2 to 3% bump. Right. Now, because we tell employees not to talk about their salaries with other people, he had no idea that that was only half of what other people were getting on a typical year. Right. So he thought he was doing okay. 
And then after 17 years, the employer decided that his services were no longer required and it came entirely out of the blue. The uh, hiring manager you know, did what I advised them to, which is short and sweet. So I'm usually in these meetings with the individual. And the hiring manager gave the message, it's not working out, wish you all the best, stood up, tried to shake this guy's hand. He refused to shake his hand. He left. I said, okay, so I'm here to go through the package. Right. And it just got super heated. And, you know, he did swing at me. I did duck. <laughs> Thank heavens he missed. And then just the look of guilt and shame that came over this poor fellow's face because he was just in that fight or flight response. It was nothing against me. He wasn't a bad person. But then we had about a two and a half hour conversation and I really got into his world about, you know, what had been going on for him and it had been impacting his work and it all could have been avoided with a conversation about a year and a half prior that if if the employer had understood what was going on with this guy's personal life, right. they could have put him in touch with an EFAP. He could have been dealing with his personal life. What's an EFAP for our listeners? Oh, sorry. Employee and, fam- employee and Family Assistance Program. Right. So it's a place where people can go to access things like counselors, right. um, you know, financial counseling even, that type to of thing. To get some help you know, with, yeah. with what's going on between their ears almost. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, if that had been available to this fellow, I'm pretty confident that that employer wouldn't have had to spend 30% of this guy's annual salary to try and replace him. And, uh, you know, he probably went and told 10 friends who told 10 friends that it was a yucky place to work. And that's not what you want out there. Yeah, great example. So we got about two minutes left. And so, you know, parting thoughts, I guess, if, if, you know, there's, there's one or two things you want to leave our listeners with in terms of what do they need to do to make sure that, the, you know, they, they're doing the right things and, and to motivate and retain their employees, what would it be? Um, number one, it really would be engage your employees in conversation without a foregone kind of outcome in your mind. So really go in and be genuinely curious about your employees. Um, and be open to kind of a two-way conversation. So that right. would be the one thing. And two, get rid of this whole negative labels on the different generations at work. Really start to look for the strengths that each of those generations brings and how it can benefit your company. I love that because that's so true. It's Forget about the labels. Who cares, mm-hmm. right? Boomers work great with, with millennials and, you know, Gen X or independents. So what? You exactly. know, they're all still part of the same team. And let's lose the labels and, and help people to do the right thing and let's help people communicate. That's, you know, that's that's the thing you, I heard you say is the communication. So uh, well said. So Eleanor, really appreciate you uh, joining us today. And by the way, Eleanor has created the ultimate document. Uh, if you want a copy of it, it's uh, the Generations at Work, a quick reference chart. I have it on my desk. I use it all the time with my clients. Uh, it's available free. Get a hold of her at one triple eight. Real HR one. That's one triple eight R E A L H R one. The number one. Uh, give her a call there, uh, talk to her office, and they'll give you that. Next show, you want to be there. It's Are You a Great Leader? We're going to talk about leadership and leadership excellence. What's it take and are you one? So you've been listening to Ask the Coach with uh, myself, Oliver Baisner, with our guest, Eleanor Culver with Real HR, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. Ask the Coach with Oliver Baisner can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a sky-high week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 